Ladies and gentlemen, grab some McDonald's. I'm Kent Garrison. And I'm Brian Gill. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to show for all things cinema. Every week, we meet and talk movie news, rumors, and rumblings, and break down a chosen movie of the week. Don't worry if you haven't seen it, because we'll warn you before heading into spoiler territory. And stay tuned till the end, as always, for weekly recommends, in which we suggest something you should check out as soon as possible. And remember, you can find all our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about Kingsman, The Secret Service. What do you see? I see potential. Kingsman is an international intelligence agency operating at the highest level of discretion. If you're prepared to adapt, you can transform into a spy. Interesting? Oh, yes. So this movie actually outperformed its expectations last weekend at the box office. It did, yeah. Which is a little bit surprising. I, I really didn't think that the marketing for this was appropriate. I didn't see much marketing for this, and the little that I saw, I didn't think would draw the the crowds or yeah. uh, the general audience. But um, I speak for myself here uh, by saying that my screening was quite full, and it was full of people that I wouldn't think would ever be interested in a movie uh, called Kingsman: The Secret Service, directed sure. by Matthew Vaughn, based on a comic book series. It was, uh, yeah. let, let's just say, a very uh, elderly or a sure. generic audience. It surprised me. Yeah, I agree with you. My 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 screening had more people in it than I thought I would see as well. And I will say this: I we're, we're obviously we're going to discuss the film, and I think we may have differing opinions, and that's great. Um, great release strategy because mm-hmm. as big of a movie as Fifty Shades of Grey is, and it you know it made like ninety million dollars this weekend, so um, you know kudos to it, made a ton of money. It's a good thing everybody rushed out and saw it because there's, there's <laughs> no way it's going to be in the five dollar bin in like six. Yeah. Months. <laughs> yeah, uh, but my, the deal is, is, as big of a movie as that was, uh, there's a lot of people that aren't going to want to see that movie, but might want to be want to see a movie on uh, Valentine's Day weekend. Like, sure. so picking that date was was pretty smart, I think, for uh, for the studio and Matthew Vaughn and whoever else was involved. That, in I, that decision. I didn't look at it like that, and you know, it's surprising because it was going up against. Jupiter ascending and you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the buzz on the street is pretty positive for that. So gosh, at least hey, the, if you, uh, if you have not seen Jupiter ascending, uh, please buy a ticket to something else and go see Jupiter ascending. Then listen to our Jupiter ascending podcast. Cause it was a lot of fun. <laughs> one, of, one of the better ones we've, we've done in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to say before we get uh, into this review, Richard Barton's not here. Yeah. Uh, we wish him the best. Um, but Fired. he has the uh, the female companion in his life has pulled him away for this episode. But we'll sure. get his thoughts on Kingsman yeah. at another time. Yeah, and, uh, and this will be a short one too. Well, we should we should yeah, say that we're, too. We're just going to review. Uh, if you're expecting movie news and all that sort of stuff, uh, we apologize. That's we're all having kind of scheduling issues this this week, and that's kind of the way it goes. If if you uh, if you would like to see that not happen anymore, you can send us like two hundred thousand dollars for each year, maybe something like that, yeah. and uh, and we'll stop having scheduling issues altogether. Yeah, and I do want to mention real quick, we've never done this on the show. I've never done this. Uh, but I think now's the time. We've never asked for a penny from any listeners ever. Uh, we, this show has been free for three years, and we really want to um, offer donations because we know there are people out there 
who have expressed their interest uh, through email and Twitter and such uh, that they want to support us somehow. Uh, anything that they can do to keep this going would be awesome. So I want to take kind of a poll and I want the listeners to uh, email in or message in. Should we put a donate button on our website where you can just donate to, uh, to us anytime you want, a few bucks here or there? Uh, should we do a Kickstarter where maybe we can fund the show for a year or maybe more? Sure. Or should we do a contest where the person who donates the most money gets to be on an episode with us and review a film? So those are your choices. Email us in. Let us know what you think, and uh, we'll make that happen. But again, it's going to be donation-based. We're never going to charge subscriptions for our episodes. It'll always be free, but you know we do put uh, some finances into uh, putting the show out for you guys every week. So it's year three, so I think it's, it's kind of time to start uh, – Having the show pay for itself, if that makes sense. Not totally. not for profit, but just uh, just there there are bills involved with making yeah. this happen. So uh, thanks for the support. And those of you who have expressed interest in supporting us, we appreciate it. And we might you know, have T-shirts available to purchase, and we could do it that way or something like that uh, in the very near future. So yeah. um, appreciate that. But yeah, no movie news this week. So Brian, let's get right into our Kingsman review. Let me just say this. I, I, I think I know what your opinion is going to uh, roundabout be. Sure. And uh, man, I really, really enjoyed my experience watching this film. Sure. I'll say that there are things in this movie that are offensive. <laughs> and uh, you know, in my opinion with Matthew Vaughn, that's to be expected. Right. And so, you know, the question is, did he cross the line or not? And I think that's where the, uh, the discussion will be mostly uh, centered around. So, you know, I really enjoy this. I think Matthew Vaughn has a great vision. I mean, this guy knows how to make a movie. Uh, he obviously has a style that he's most comfortable with, which is the comic book genre. And we've seen that in, of course, Kick-Ass and also X-Men. Mm. And, you know, he dropped out of X-Men Days of Future Past to make Kingsman. So I always wonder what Days of Future Past could have been, although Brian Singer did do a fantastic job with, with that. But this was a very refreshing look at the spy genre. I'll say that. And there's a lot to like here, but there's also stuff that's like, um, you're, I understand you're a British director, but, uh, <laughs> this is an American audience. Does that make sense? Sure. And, yeah. uh, I think in, in that context, a lot of this stuff will make sense. But Brian, what are your thoughts on Kingsman? You may, you bring up a lot of good points. I, I liked about, I really liked a lot of this movie. Maybe maybe even like 80 or 85%. I really enjoyed. I don't like Matthew Vaughn. And I and I'm doing this podcast. I've 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 come around on the idea of or the or I've come to the understanding of myself of I'm very director uh oriented and I I've the vision of a director really plays a big part in how I watch a movie or how I uh see a movie or what I think about a movie afterwards, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know that that's always been the way that it has been for me. I, I think I used to be very uh, actor-centric, uh, but directors really make a big difference for me at this point. I don't know if you – have you ever seen Layer Cake, Kent, his first movie? Uh, I have not, no. I really liked Layer wait, Cake. Wait, wait. No. Yes, I have. Yes, With I have, Daniel Craig. Yeah. Pre-Vaughn, yeah. Daniel Craig. Uh, I watched it on a tour bus, so it's okay. a vague, very vague memory. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I really liked – I really liked that movie a lot and I expected I guess I think I think I expected big things from Matthew Vaughn moving forward. Stardust is terrible. It's just just a really really genuinely bad movie. I don't like Kick-Ass at all and I I hated the sequel and I know he wasn't the director of the sequel. Yeah. 
but he was a producer. He was involved. It was partly his vision, you know, all that sort of stuff. I at least kind of get it with with Kickass. I understand to an extent why people like that, but I don't, and I don't like his. I don't like his brand of. I don't like his style. Can't that's that's what it it, it comes down to. You're, you're right. He has the way a very, you mean the way he shoots a movie or the way he tells a story. Um, a little bit of both. Uh, I think he has a good. I think he has a good eye for story. The elements of this movie that worked, and we'll get into specifics in a bit. I really liked, and I I can tell that that is directly. It, it, it's straight from his mind and, and and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. Let's just let's just get into it. I yeah. uh, I I don't feel like I'm somebody who shies away from violence in a movie, and I don't think that that's something that I'm like constantly upset about or offended by or or, or anything like that. The exception to that is, and, it, and this plays into like part of the reason why I don't like horror movies to the, for the most part. I do not like it when I feel like the – when I feel – for lack of a better term, when I feel like the director is getting off on the violence and that's how I feel Matthew Vaughn is with, with his movies, with his, at least with the way he uh, displays violence. I was with this movie up until the church sequence and <laughs> – I knew – I, totally I, uh, I knew that's where you, where you were completely yeah. out. You know, I, I honestly didn't know what you thought but – as I was watching that scene, yeah. I was like, there's no way Brian is going to be no, down I, for what is happening. <laughs> Especially no. after Kick-Ass 2 where the, uh, oh. with the lawnmower scene. Yeah. yeah that was worse, yeah. honestly. But Look, you have, cre- you, you have, uh, you have the creativity and the, the freedom to do whatever you want, Matthew Vaughn. And I have the freedom to say I hate that. And I hate that. Uh, I just felt like every time that movie start, the, the Kingsman started to get into a groove – and I really liked the groove when it was in the groove. We had to step aside for 10 minutes to let Matthew Vaughn make sure that you know that Matthew Vaughn directed this movie. And I hate that. Now, to be fair, I don't like that with any director. Like Warhorse, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest Steven Spielberg fan. I've talked about that a thousand times on this show. I really don't like the movie Warhorse. And, and, and part of the reason is because I felt like Spielberg was like trying to to be Spielberg, you know, throughout this movie. And it kind of drove me a little bit insane. So I don't yeah, like that yeah. with almost any director. Matthew Vaughn to this to this point, with the exception of, of X-Men First Class, is somebody who wants to make sure that you know he directed this movie. It rem- it's, like, uh, it's like an offensive coordinator. This is a Richard uh, bit, so I'll just steal it from him since he's not here. That's what he gets for, for not being on the show. Richard will talk about... Uh, there are certain offensive coordinators in the NFL that want you to know that they beat you. Not like the quarterback beat you, not, you know, traditional football beat you. Like Darren Bevel in, in Seattle is a great example. Like, why are you throwing the ball on the one yard line the second <laughs> down with but right. that but I want to make sure that I that you know that I beat you because I I went against the grain. I did something untraditional. Yeah. And that's how I feel about Matthew Vaughn. So uh that's a long winded way to say like there's a chunk of, there's a lot of this movie that I really liked and I really wanted to like this movie as a whole uh but every time I felt like okay now we're getting somewhere he had to step in and for me and maybe this is what what other people like about it and I'm not going to you know I'm not going to fault that or anything like that but for me it immediately turned me off and made me uh turn against the movie as as a whole honestly I totally understand that viewpoint uh I guess I like what he does. I I, mm-hmm. I love his sense of I really don't care. These are movies for adults, you know. Um, and that has to be kind of clear here. And it's honestly surprising because you watch the trailers to these and you're like, wow, cool, 
you know, a little spy yeah. movie starring a teenager. And it's sure. like rated R. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's the same thing with kick ass as well. It's like, wow. Um, I wonder what I'm in store for here. And right. you know, if I think if you kind of go into it saying this is for adults by adults and this should not be something, it's not like he's taking fantastic Four, something people <laughs> all of all ages love and sure. making it rated R and then, making it extremely violent. It's like he's taking a very small property. Uh, and I guess I, I like his adaptations of comic book properties and that's fine. And I think, uh, you know, Mark Millar, the writer of the, the comic Kingsman and also kick-ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the kick-ass comic is known for being even more violent than the movie and sure. kick-ass too. And with X-Men first class, uh, it's not that way, and uh, and I don't think Matthew Vaughn tried to make it that way, you know, right. in a lot of ways. And I, so I think I wonder how much of this has to do with him just respecting the source material, sure, you know, rather than him just uh, th- than forcing violence into these. And I I really see Matthew Vaughn now as more of a uh, commercialized Quentin Tarantino, you know. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's what he's trying to be. That's, that's what sure. he's that's what he's trying to be, yeah. and I think. You know, Tarantino really does get a bad rap from every hater that he does violence for the sake of violence, cursing for the sake of cursing, and uh, there's really no reason for any of it. And Django, when he kills, you know, spoiler alert, (laughs) but when, you know, a hundred people die in Django, people people are going to be the first to say, well, it could have been four people, you know, and in the same point would get across or whatever, Mm. Uh, you know, and I really think that. Vaughn does it in this case and in Kickass's case as well to slap the spy genre in the face and say, uh, "Here's my version of a spy genre f- film. Uh, it's going to be in your face, uh, but it's not going to be over the top." Like I feel like there was violence in this, but there wasn't a lot. It, it, it was cartoony almost. It's, it's concentrated. It, it's concentrated, there, and it's there's not like two massive violent sequences, and the yeah. rest is. You're right. Is is calm down. But but even then, it's not gory violence. It's Boy, like I, <laughs> I, it's, it feels stylized, and um, yeah. I don't know how soon we should go into spoilers, but there's a lot of stuff we should uh, talk. So I'm going to try to talk without spoilers. But uh, for example, in the first scene. Uh, when somebody gets cut in half, mm-hmm. they don't show the cut in half portion. You know, the right. guy just kind of falls apart, and that's that shows restraint to me. You know, I've seen episodes of The Walking Dead where that exact same thing happens, and they show everything. You know, yeah. guts spilling everywhere, and so I mean, I think Vaughn showed a little bit of restraint here, but um, I I love the way he he shot a lot of these films, the creativity. Uh, in a lot of how they kill people <laughs> is something to weirdly be admired. You know, uh, you, you see very derivative action sequences a lot in Hollywood. And we, we're, we're coming off a week where we saw Jupiter ascending, which is probably the most derivative sci-fi action film of the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anytime I go into a theater and say, man, I've never seen it done that way before, uh, and I, and it left me wanting more. It kept me guessing. It, I wanted there to be more action scenes than there were in this movie. And, um, you know, the ones that we got uh, were crazy. And I think the church sequence really 
is a make or break for a lot of people. And it, it's sure. not, it's not surprising at all for, for you to say that. And I completely understand it. Right. And I have a more of a problem with that scene that at how the church was represented than how well, the violence yeah. occurred, you know, and we'll talk about that uh, here in a second, but let's get into the, uh, the specifics here. First of all, first act, we get a cameo slash role by the one Mark Hamill. Yeah. Which uh, had had no idea he was in this movie until uh, the opening scene, and there right. he is, Luke Skywalker. Uh, good to see him doing yeah. movies that aren't Star he, Wars. Let's hope he uh, let's hope he got in shape after this movie. Uh, he had it had to have been <laughs> after because yeah, uh, he didn't have the beard, so yeah. I was wondering that as well. But good to see Mark Hamill, Colin Firth. I feel like brought a lot of that uh, elderly audience that I. Mentioned sure. earlier, I think a lot sure. of people saw oh Colin Firth in this kind of spy action movie. I'm down right. for that. I'll go see it. And I love me some Colin Firth. What'd you think of him in this? I thought he was great. I I thought most of the acting was really good. Yeah. Uh, Colin Firth was fantastic, and I, I really liked the lead, uh, Taron Egerton. Yes. I think is how we're gonna yeah. call that. Uh, I was very impressed by that dude. And I haven't seen him in anything up to this point, so that he's completely new to me. I really liked what he brought to the table, and I. He he reminded we had just had this conversation uh, on the Jupiter Ascending podcast about Spider Man and the, the the sarcasm and the the jerkishness jerkishness of uh, of Peter Parker and of Spider Man and uh, I I went away thinking like man that's kind of what I want from Spider Man if we did like kind of Cockney Cockney uh, British Spider Man <laughs> that might be my dude like I, I yeah. really dug what he what he was doing yeah I would be supportive of him as spider-man i've seen that mentioned a few times on the forums uh he might be a front runner now after this that'd be awesome but i mean this is this probably going to be spun into a franchise the kingsman uh after its debut weekend here in the states but uh yeah he was he was fantastic as eggsy eggsy i don't know why he was called eggsy because his (laughs) name is gary unwin in the film yeah but his last name is egerton so maybe I'm gonna guess that's know. a fairly common like uh, like Bubba nickname, or something. Yeah. I can't talk today, guys. Sorry, pseudonym <laughs> in uh, in Britain. Maybe you're right. Maybe British listeners. It, yeah, let us British know about listeners, it. let us know. Probably they'll all send in and be like, "Nope, never heard that before. Not one time." <laughs> we get our first introduction to the Kingsmen uh, in the beginning, and it's it's sort of funny. The Kingsman sort of swoops in to save the day to save Mark Hamill, and in walks a, a a lady assassin uh, whose name is the Gazelle, and she is on these blades. And I know there's an Oscar Pistorius joke somewhere right. here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I can't think of it. But I found that funny that she slays people with the blades of the uh, – she has prosthetic legs that are blades similar to Oscar Pistorius, uh, for right. those of you who haven't seen the film. But I want to say – and I don't know if you felt this way, but I felt the first act and the setup felt very predictable derivative yeah, to totally. me. So, you know, for example, okay, we get – we see the Kingsmen. We know they're the speaker spy agency. Oh, now we're going to meet the uh, protagonist, the kid. Sure. Oh, I bet now he's going to do something really awesome and, and fight off a guy's. And then they're going to find out about it and get and recruit him into the into the Kingsmen. You know, I, I found that very predictable and that's what ended up happening yeah. Here, so how did you feel about how the setup? Yeah, I think you're right. It was predictable in in Vaughn's defense. I think that was probably purposeful uh, of like 
we're going to we're going to kind of spoof spy movies or at least uh play off, obviously we're playing off of spy movies but this is there is a little bit of spoof element to this and i think that was the setup so we're setting up for the more uh spoofy joke type of things that are going to happen in the third act i might would have i i might have preferred go with like a little more balance on that like mm-hmm. Here's some here's some very generic spy stuff. Now we're going to kind of make fun of it and then kind of go back and forth. What he did instead was set up with a bunch of generic spy stuff and just kind of try to throw some jokes in there, but not really uh, take shots at the genericness of that mm-hmm. until they got to the third act. And then it was just kind of like we've got the Bond score going. We've got all this stuff where we're just kind of really poking fun at the the spy movie industry and uh, you know, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, maybe a little more balance would have been beneficial. Yeah, I I agree there. It reminded me in the beginning of Men in Black, and it was yeah. very, very yeah. similar, totally. almost eerily similar to Men in Black in the fact uh, that uh, Colin Firth is Agent K and, and Eggsy is Agent J, recruits Absolutely. him, takes him to the secret headquarters in the same way, uh, shows him this stuff. Uh, takes him into the weapons room, uh, sort of in the same way. Uh, has to try out for the Kingsmen, uh, just as Jay has to try out for the Men in Black against these, all these other people and prove himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I loved, loved the him having to compete with these other Kingsmen. Yeah, in that order was fun. to make it. I really, I mean, they should have they should have concentrated more on that. I totally I felt agree. Like they did. I- it's very rare that the second act is the best part of a movie, but I think yeah. that's – it was – for me at least, it, it, this time around, that's what it was. I enjoyed that stuff a lot. Man, all the little tricks that the the Kingsmen had up their sleeve in order to recruit these people sure. was fantastic, very creative. Uh, for example, uh, we should get into spoilers now. Uh, so spoilers coming up for Kingsmen. Go see the movie. Come back and listen to it. If you've seen the movie, please stay with us. The first real test that we get uh, is they're in their bunk room, which is a bunk room eerily reminiscent of Ender's Game last year. Sure. I, I remembered that. Uh, but they start filling it up with water while they're all sleeping. And, man, what a cool sequence that was. Very sort of surprising that the way the other the other recruits found a way out. Like yeah. uh, using the, the hose to go through the U... Uh, the U pipe of a toilet to gain air. I thought that was pretty clever. And, uh, you know, all the little tests that they had were fantastic. Uh, so what was your favorite little test that they had? There's a, there are a few throughout the movie. I thought it was funny with him in the pug. Like that was a really, I mean, that's a play on training montage sort of stuff. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. The, but the, this, the, uh, skydiving bit was really well done. It looked great. Uh, and it was it was fun. And I'll say this: I really lo- I really like Mark Strong. I've always been a big fan of his, and he always, always, always plays yeah. a bad guy. <laughs> always, right? And it was really cool to see him not have to. I, I just I, I I felt for sure, and maybe you felt this way too, Kent. Uh, at, it was pretty clear early on that somebody, one of these guys, is going to be a traitor, and it, whether it was going to yeah. be Mark Strong or Michael Caine or Colin Firth, somebody was going to be. A, was going to be a traitor and i i just kind of expected it was going to be mark strong because that's usually what happens and uh mm-hmm. instead he turned out to be a good guy and and was really enjoyable and seemed like he was having fun with that role and you get a little bit of that throughout the uh the training montage and the sequence with that stuff and you know him 
<laughs> him telling Eggsy to back down and then pulling the ripcord and all that sort of stuff. I, I enjoyed that. That was a, And it was really well shot. It looked good. It was. I loved the tying him to a train bit. Yeah, that too. was cool. That was very good. And awesome that they just have that facility down there that can hide a person right. underneath a train track. Sure. And they really tested the recruits' uh, mental skills and uh, MacGyver, MacGruber skills. Yeah. Throughout how yeah. they how they can not only test if they're mentally tough, but also if they have the the smarts to get out of these situations on their own. Sure. And uh and I love that. But really clever bit with the train as well when they tie him to the train tracks. Sure. Uh the gadgets in this were really cool too. Yeah, totally. Very cool. The umbrella I mean, the umbrella they gun. Air, they weren't air speed skates like Jupiter is saying, <laughs> but you know, air roller blades, Brian. Come on, <laughs> plasma roller blades. I should say. Yeah, there you go. But the umbrella gun was awesome. I was like, I can't believe we haven't seen an umbrella turned into a gun <laughs> in a in a movie yet, in a spy movie. And we might have, but sure. I haven't seen every. But maybe not with one. that sort of uh, style. That Man, sort of that was so cool. Sure. And the uh, the shoes with the spike. I mean, it's a very typical scene, and that that scene where Colin Firth takes. Eggsy into the weapons uh, facility to to get his weapons. Very typical scene of what you see in most action or Bond spy movies, kind of a Q briefing Bond type sure. of thing. And it's the scene that I wish we had gotten in Skyfall when when Bond beats Bond meets the new Q in the art museum and he just gives mm-hmm. him the little tracker. I mean, that's yeah. the only gadget that he has in the and the pistol. I guess he gives him right, but. Uh, I was really hoping in Skyfall that we had gotten a really stylized new gadgets. Really enjoyed that. Love the gadgets. And so much style was used there. But sure. talking about the pug deal, this is very spoilery. So if you're still listening, uh, after we've given you a spoiler warning already, <laughs> please right. don't don't listen to this if you don't want to be spoiled. Yeah. Um, there, There's a part where they test him into killing his own dog that he's sure. raised by himself. What did you think of that? Uh, that's That was fairly, you know, that was fairly generic. I felt like I've seen that in other movies before or I've heard stories about that or at least alluded to in various films and books and all that kind of thing. So I kind of expected it was coming and I kind of expected he wouldn't shoot the dog and I kind of expected afterwards they'd say, there was a blank, you really weren't going to kill the dog, we were just chesting you or whatever. Yeah. So, that kind of fell flat a little bit for me. Uh, it felt like, you know, it, I'll say it, it's tough to do. It's tough to do a spoof. It's tough to to send up the genre that you're operating in without falling into the same sort of pitfalls that uh, that the genre works in. You know that you're that you're yeah. trying to make fun of, and so it's rare to kind of pull that off. That's that's one of the reasons why. That's one of the reasons why we love MacGruber so much is because it is so well done on the on the spoof front and it never feels it never starts to become an action movie. You know, it, it just stays uh, an action comedy and a spoof and that sort of thing. And, and and look, I don't think Kingsman set out to just be a straight spoof like MacGruber or Airplane yeah. or something like that. But it, I definitely feel like that's the, like the driving force was kind of let, let's poke fun at that while still doing some cool stuff. Yeah, and that's fine. Like a no, no issue with that whatsoever. But like I said, if you are going to do that, you are definitely going to fall into some of the same 
traps that uh, that the genre itself falls into, like that one, which was very, very generic. For me, I felt pretty surprised that Eggsy, having gone through all this training and all these tricks, that he wouldn't know that that was a trick. Like, yes. I was expecting him to take the gun. You know how he points it? Right. He points it at the other guy. I was expecting him to point it at his own head and pull the trigger because right. he knew that it was a blank. Like, how could he not have known that that was, sure. a, that was a setup? You know, yeah. that, that kind of bugged me a little bit. I agree. Uh, in hindsight. But what do we think of Samuel L. Jackson? I can't believe we haven't talked about him <laughs> up to this point. Jackson is is very hit or miss for me over across his very long career at this point. Um, I know there's a lot of people that love Samuel L. Jackson and we'll see, we'll see movies based on Samuel L. Jackson. I've just never quite been in that camp. I think he can be very good. And I felt like that was like, like this, this role, this, this performance was almost like a microcosm of that. Like there were times when I really dug what he was doing and thought it was funny and fairly fresh and, and he seemed like he was invested. So I'll give him that. Cause he is definitely an actor who will take a paycheck and not seem like he cares at all. But there were times when it just kind of, I don't know, it drifted a little bit for me. The lisp was, <laughs> the lisp was a, an, a risky choice, I think. There were times when it played all right, and then there were times where I was like, this is a little bit, a little bit ridiculous and definitely a little bit offensive. And I, I don't get offended easily, so I'm not going to, you know, it wasn't like I was crossing my arms and getting frustrated, you know, just yelling at the screen or something like that. But there were times when it, it seemed like, in a little bit of poor taste for me. Apparently he had a lisp growing up and, and defeated it. And sure. so that was, I guess he sort of, if anybody has the right to do a lisp, it's right. that's had a lisp. But sure. I, I heard it was also him sort of poking fun at Spike Lee. Uh, okay. So that's, that's a little bit funny too. But for me, it was refreshing to see Sam Jackson do a role that wasn't just him being Sam Jackson. In totally. Totally. Agree. <laughs> and him actually yeah. being that's a, a character. Point. I enjoyed yeah. that because, you know, it's all it's become parody at this point, mm-hmm. you know, snakes on a plane. Right. For example. Right. I've had it with no, these I, mother effing snakes on this I mean, that's all right. Sam Jackson being Sam Jackson. That's fine. But that that was what was good about it. Also funny totally. that his character's name was Valentine. And yeah. uh, this came out on Valentine's there Day. You go. Ah, that's so funny. Let's see what you did there. But I, I agree with about the parody. For example, when when Valentine and Colin Firth uh, have that little dinner together mm-hmm. and you think it's going to be this nice thing and then they open the tray and it's McDonald's. Yeah. Like that's a kind of a spoof on the old spies uh, eating hors d'oeuvres type of deal. And I thought that sure. was pretty pretty well executed. <laughs> but um, I, I was surprised in that sequence that Sam Jackson didn't take a bite and say, mmm, this is a tasty burger. <laughs> or that they didn't serve him a quarter pound of a cheese. I thought they yeah. would have done that as a little homage to, <laughs> to his Pulp Fiction days, but it didn't happen. Let's move on. Let's talk about this church scene. Mm. And like I said before, I was more offended at how they represented the church. <laughs> I mean, could there be any more of a caricature of a of a Southern Baptist yeah. church than that. I mean, no, they're using they, it, I mean, Southern Baptist churches do not use the N word in church. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of African Americans that are members of the Southern Baptist church. So I don't think that would fly. And it just kind of saddens me. I know, and I know, uh, Matthew Vaughn is a British director. This is a British film. So it has to be put in that context, but it, it saddens me that that caricature is what they think of when they think of 
the American yeah. religious landscape. Well, <laughs> That's kind of depressing. But I'll say this as somebody who. I work at a church and, uh, yeah. you know, my, my faith is very important to me and, and that's, you know, that's a big part of my life. That's the biggest part of sure. my life. And, uh, but I will say this, it saddened me as well, but it, but, but from a slightly different perspective of this is what people think of us because we have, we have allowed that to happen. You know, we, because yeah. Westboro Baptist church exists. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. Good and point. so, um, it, that did not, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it saddened me. It did not offend me at, because, you know, because uh, there's a lot of churches out there, hopefully that are not like that. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of hate that gets thrown around. And that's very unfortunate. It definitely, to me, it was like a, an indicator, again, as somebody who works in a church and has to like fight against that sort of uh, feeling that people have towards us or impression that people have towards us. It just reminded me of like, yeah, because we have kind of sucked for a long time in a lot of ways and not all of us and, and the vast, vast minority, in my opinion, but that's what people think of us. And so we kind of have to deal with that stigma in a yeah, lot of ways. And I mean, I, I really, I haven't read the comics, so forgive me, but I just don't see, I mean, they could have replaced that with something else. I mean, clearly there's another, sure. another way to go about that, maybe in a courtroom or something. I just don't, I mean that, yeah. that 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 really walks the line with an American audience, sure. and and I'm surprised that the reception has been so positive to that scene. Like in the, in the forums, I've seen like, man, that church scene just best scene of the year. Uh, I don't think anything's going to top it. And I'll, I will say it was stylistic, and apparently they shot the the scene in one take, so that's impressive. Sure, but uh, it felt like they put the raid. In a, in a Baptist church. (laughs) And so, I mean, I guess, you know, love it or hate it, but I kind of straddled it. I like the style. I didn't like the uh, context or the subject matter at all. Uh, Let's talk about the motives of Sam Jackson's, I guess, crimes or campaign here. I kind of, it kind of actually worked for me. The uh, global warming thing, how we're killing ourselves type thing. I totally agree with that. That's something I've always sort of subscribe to that people never really pay attention to when they're out there with their lawnmowers for eight hours a day, uh, working on their lawns, like the damage that they're doing to our world. And I, I think that it was a really funny sort of way to play on that. And also people's obsessions with their cell phones, like, Oh, you're going to give me a SIM card where I can get free internet. I'm down, you know, without questioning anything, any motive at all. Uh, I liked sort of how it played on both of those issues sure. in society. So what did that work for you? Yeah, I did. Uh, I thought he was a really well a really well plotted and really well designed villain. Villain. Yeah. I thought it yeah, some there are you know, there are a lot of movies that we've seen it Marvel could use a little bit of that, you know, for their for their films we could use that's not an original thought. We've we've said that a thousand times and that's been said a billion times across the 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 blogosphere i guess i'm going to create a portal in the <laughs> yeah. in the on the earth yeah yeah we could definitely use uh, some fresh ideas uh for villains in the marvel universe so no i thought that was a really well done bit it worked for me yeah uh some derivative stuff i wanted to point out a lot of countdowns in the movie yeah a lot of music swells two countdowns and after the fourth time it's like okay we know nothing's going to happen at the end of this countdown because it mm-hmm. hasn't yet so that kind of didn't work for me. And besides the church scene, the, the moment I thought you would be completely out of this movie, <laughs> and you know what I'm going to say, is when 
they activate the SIM cards and the entire world goes into homicidal mode. Yeah. Everybody's killing everybody. And there's a mother who's beating down the door to murder her own infant baby. Right. Uh, yeah. I knew that you would be <laughs> out on yeah. there if, if you weren't already. So what yeah, do you think you're, about you're, that? you're not wrong. <laughs> no, I will say this, like that scene was, and this, I think this is part of my whole issue with this film. Like that scene felt PG 13 with the except, I mean, it was, it was yeah. a little, you know, you're getting a little dread because the mom is trying to go, but at least as far as like the worldwide escalation of violence was very PG 13. Right. Um, but it's surrounded by this church sequence, which is, horrific and horribly r-rated and all that sort of stuff and and then the uh the scene that comes shortly shortly after the sim card activation when they activate the cards in everyone's neck and they all their heads all explode with pomp and circumstance uh, playing with in the much pomp and circumstance yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 those were such those were such not pg-13 <laughs> depictions of violence and so really you was, didn't you didn't feel like that was cartoony with the the colors and everything here's the thing for me i and, and this look it, it's my own this is what i bring to the table so that's how it goes i am much more willing to accept violence on a massive scale i'm even a, I, i'm even much more willing to accept like gory violence uh you know saving private ryan or walking dead or whatever uh, I don't like violence that is played for comedic purposes at all. It bothers me. And I, I don't know when that started. I don't think it's always been that way f- for me. Uh, but at some point in my late 20s and, and now early 30s and, and all that sort of thing, the uh, that church scene, like, let's massacre all these people while a they cool don't, cover they don't of massacre Freebird them, plays. Brian. They killed themselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. Uh, in very uh, maybe it's not gory, but it's definitely very graphic ways. While a cool a cool version of Freebird plays in the background, and we're just gonna make it really cool and stylish and yeah. funny. Yeah. I can't I can't handle that. And the same with the the heads exploding bit with with pomp and circumstance and the fireworks going off and all that sort of thing. I don't I don't like it. I don't find it funny. I don't uh, like I said. I, I don't feel like I get offended very easily. That's one of the things that pushes my my buttons and and it's a very it's very easy for me at that point to to write off anything good (laughs) that has happened up to that point i so so yes to to your point the the sim card activation and everybody's going crazy across the world um yeah it was tough with the mom and the kid because i am very sensitive to that sort of stuff right now having a not quite two-year-old myself and all that sort of stuff but i could have handled that to to some degree because it did feel more pg-13 and more muted uh over the slapstick violence that we get in those other two those other two uh sequences reminded me of the shining a bit i don't know if that was a play on the shining yeah sure with her axing down the door Right, with somebody screaming on the other end, but uh, a little they poke a little fun at other um, spy movies here when he names his his dog JB and they mm-hmm. say James Bond, no <laughs> Jason Bourne, no uh, Jack Bauer. Yeah, first of all, I don't funny. know how I didn't make the connection before that all those were initials were JB until they yeah, had to point it out in this movie to me. Yeah, that's a little funny uh, that they noticed that and made fun of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like the meta bit here. Brian, and, and this is sort of where it worked for me and it sort of all made sense where 
Samuel L. Jackson is begging not to die or whatever, and and uh, Eggsy says it's not that kind of movie or whatever right. he says, right. and I and I totally which understand had, which that. Sam Jackson had said to Colin Firth earlier, right? Right, yeah, exactly. I like that. I'm and, with you. I that and really I think smart, that really smart. tells a lot about this movie. If you're going mm-hmm. in expecting a James Bond movie, and you're wondering why people's heads are blowing up, it's not that kind of movie. This is a new like. They're trying to make their own genre sort of out of this now. I I, I understand that. So mm-hmm. I, I sort of like the self-awareness there. But my only question is, how did he save the day if like half the world has already killed each other? Oh, yeah, other? yeah. The you population know? is down to like three billion yeah. at this point. But, you know. <laughs> but, but, and, and by the way, too, we killed off – I mean, look, they, they, they all turned out to be bad people. But we did kill off the world's best and brightest human beings like <laughs> all of them had implants in their heads yes so yeah yeah we just lost like all of the world's best scientists and uh and technologically advanced human you know all that sort of stuff like anybody who's a genius um is dead so that's that's not great <laughs> they yeah. were all bad guys so okay you know but they don't have heads anymore so we may be in trouble i'm a little surprised that that colin firth was died or was killed off in this I understand why they did it for plot reasons, but I mean, you got to know as the director, as a studio, uh, he draws a lot of people, like I mentioned earlier. Right. And he was my favorite part of the movie still. Mm. And uh, it's got, it might be a hard sell for a sequel if if Colin Firth isn't involved sure. at all. I mean, they might pull an Agent Coulson and he's actually alive. Right. And it was just to test him or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's It's funny. I mean, if you think about it, the three biggest names in this film – are Colin Firth, Michael Caine, and Samuel Jackson? They're all dead, so right. it's, it may be difficult. <laughs> You're right; it may be a little more difficult to uh, find the right funding or sell the next uh, the next film in this series because uh, you you can't put Colin Firth on the poster. I hated how the movie ended, and I'm I sure did too. too. How they yeah. end it with him hooking up with this girl that he saved, and the, the credits roll, and yeah, and it, well, after that, giving us a post credits or mid credit sequence. With an actually kind of a good sequence of him just repeating the actions of Colin Firth and getting revenge on the the bullies that yeah. bullied him earlier, I think that's how it should have ended with that exact yeah. scene, and uh, and it didn't. So I feel bad for anyone that walked out of the theater before seeing that little mid credit sequence because yeah. um, that's how it should have ended. It sets up a sequel perfectly, and um, and it was just a better scene. It was a better yes. note to end on than yeah, that, seeing a the, girl's bare bottom and then gosh, credits roll. You know, that like, was an on. awful scene, that, and that left a really bad taste in in everyone who who saw the movie with me. They all were like, "Ugh!" Like that was yeah, yeah. not a. It didn't fit, and it wasn't a. Uh, yeah, it, it was. That was a classic. Like now we're gonna make fun of James Bond because that's how every James Bond movie ended with like Pierce Brosnan and whatnot. Is yeah, him yeah, hooking up with Denise Richards, right? Um, what was her name? It was Christmas. Christmas was Jones. That? Yeah. Christmas Jones. There it is. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Christmas I mean, Jones. Yeah. That was so Dr. <laughs> Christmas Jones, but like the most crass version of Dr. Christmas Jones. And it yeah. did not. Yeah. That was, was that, that was not was that good. supposed to be Iggy Azalea? Cause don't they mention her in the, yes. What, dude, why? Oh, thank you. I forgot about that. Like that was a, that was a major, that felt like the bait and switch because they over and over and over again, they mentioned throughout the movie, all these people have gone – all these famous people have gone missing, Iggy Azalea being one of them. But like mentioned a ton of people who have who have gone missing and they're all locked away in this vault. And I kept kind of expecting we're going to get some kind of a payoff for that, some sequence with him surrounded by 
you know, random, whatever, right. uh, celebrities and, and, and actors and singers and athletes and all that sort of stuff. And we never got that. So I don't know if they just couldn't get anybody. Could they what, not get Iggy Azalea? I'm pretty sure she's Come on. Yeah, guys. seriously. Yeah. Uh, you would think, <laughs> you would think. Yeah. So that was a very, that felt like you called your shot and then never took the shot. Like so yeah. that was kind of, that was very disappointing. You know, not that I am dying to see 30 seconds of somebody surrounded by like Derek Jeter and Iggy Azalea and, <laughs> you know, whoever else or Amari Stoudemire shows up like he did in MacGruber or something like that. But but it, it, if you're going to take the time to like to call that shot, you, you should probably take the shot at some point. Yeah, Jeets. Uh, <laughs> one more thing uh, that one more thing that I'll defend uh, before we give grades here. I've heard some criticism from people about the language of this once again this is a british movie yeah and people believe it or not talk like that in in great britain like cussing over there is just way more commonplace nobody even thinks about it there's probably uh, a few terms that they don't use and i'm not going to say those but one of them was (laughs) actually used in in the avengers when loki says you mewling quim right like that's like over there the audiences are like (gasps) oh (laughs) <laughs> and over here, like, what's that? You know, yeah. and don't look it up uh, if you have parents <laughs> that use the same computer. But I mean, I, I, I will say to de- in his defense that over there, that stuff is people talk like that. And over here, it's a lot more offensive, the language. But um, I just so I didn't even think about it because I knew the context that this was made by British people. Sure. So uh, I understand that. But let's give yeah, grades I, here. I'll say. Let, yeah, let me I want to say a piece on that because I I'm with you. It. The the language of the film felt organic, and that's always my barometer. <laughs> I don't like uh, – I don't care for excessive cursing at all unless it feels – not that I'm rooting for it. You know what I mean? Like I don't – I usually don't I, – I will only have a problem with uh, cursing if it feels like it's just tossed in there or it's excessive right. or uh, it doesn't fit. And I don't – it didn't feel that way. I will say – and this will be part of my my grade too. So I'll just go ahead and go and get my grade, but I'll, but I'll make my point as well. The – uh, the marketing for this movie. You're right. This is an R-rated movie by a a, a director who does R-rated films. Uh, but it's it, and this is not his fault. So I, you know, I don't want that to be part of the issue. But this, I very much felt like this movie was marketed to the PG-13 audience right. and really pushed hard at that at that target market. And so I imagine I. Look, I don't ever I don't read anything about a film before we before I go see it. I want to have a fresh take. I'll look at Rotten Tomatoes just to see like the the scores and sort of thing, but that's it. Like I don't ever read a review of any movie I haven't seen uh because we do this because I want to be able to talk about it and all that. Um so I'll be honest, I was unprepared for how I was unprepared for those sequences of violence and it did take me a few minutes to like readjust everything with the language and all that sort of stuff because the the trailers, the marketing, all that stuff would really lead you to believe that this is an R-rated – this is a PG-13 movie that has six F-bombs instead of three. And right, that's, right. And, and again, that's not Matthew Vaughn's fault. Uh, but I, I would caution the studio that that put this out, and I don't know which one it is. Let me, I can pull that 20th up. 20th Century Fox, Fox yeah. Okay. Uh, I think Fox may have, you know, we we mentioned the issues of no Colin Firth, no Sam Jackson, all that to to push a sequel. I would imagine there's going to be some audience that uh, for for any sequel that is not going to be tricked again, that may have been tricked this time around, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, all that to say, 
I think that I really like the PG-13 version of Kingsman, the Secret Service, yeah. uh, whatever that <laughs> yeah. might be. And, and, and not whatever so will be on TNT next year. Yeah. 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 <laughs> not so, again, not so much the language, but but if, if I could have if I could strip this movie of two or three sequences and, and tighten it up a little bit in a couple of spots, I think I really like this movie. Those things that I don't like. Uh, I will remember this movie for those things. I will not remember it for uh, for Colin Firth and for uh, for Eggsy and and for some of the the sharper points that it makes as far as a spoof or a spy spoof goes and that sort of stuff. I, I don't think I'll remember those things. I will remember uh, these sequences that happened that uh, almost deliberately made me hate <laughs> what was happening, you know, like right. very aggressively pursued my hatred in a lot of ways. So, uh, for me, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a C, C plus C or C plus something like that. Uh, and I, I'm kind of upset about that because there are parts of this that are an A to me and I just can't, I can't get over, uh, some, some poor, tr- some stuff that really just kind of drove me insane. Cool. I'm going to go with a solid A, Brian. Uh, I was highly impressed for the most part with this film. Mm. I, I, I'm not going to lie and sure. beat around the bush and say that I was I didn't have my jaw drop for a lot of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. with so much style and you love it or hate it. And I totally sure. get that. And Matthew Vaughn is completely self-aware about that fact. Um, but I've been in the, the Vaughn camp for, uh, for a number of years now and I'm going to stay in it. And, uh, you know, First Class is my favorite X-Men movie. Uh, I, I just like the way he tells a story. And sure. He really does youth, like, uh, young characters very well. I will say that. I haven't said that uh, yet. Agreed. But he does, you know, characters that are in high school or whatever. I mean, he needs to direct Spider-Man, and they need to make it PG-13. Like, I would love to see what he could do sure. in, in the Marvel world uh, that – you know, the, the Marvel Studios world, I should say. I would agree with that. Yeah. Right. So uh, I'll give this an A, man. And I'll go ahead and say early entry into my top 10 of the year. Uh, it's in there now. Uh, it's the best film of, of 2015 by far uh, so far. So, um, I mean, these are the kinds of movies. These are guilty pleasures for me. They're popcorn flicks. I'm, I'm not going to go and say that anyone deserves an Oscar for this or anything. Sure. You know, I'm not going to go that far. But, man, man, was I entertained throughout this movie. So, yeah. uh, there's a lot to like. There really is. Even as, as you know, my, my grade of a C or whatever, I, I totally admit there's a lot to like. And I, yeah. I'm kind of like with Matthew Vaughn, I kind of look at him. He wants us to look at him as Quentin Tarantino, as British Quentin mm-hmm. Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And I kind of do in a way because, uh, with the exception of Pulp Fiction, I never really, I, I never, there was always something in every one of Tarantino's movies for a long time that turned me off and made me just like, nope, I can't, I don't, I don't like this movie. I don't like where this is going, that sort of thing. And he became. Sure. Yeah. You, you are somebody that doesn't like Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah. So well, there you go. I, Pulp, there, Pulp Fiction's fine. There's nothing. I'm not, I'm not disputing that Pulp Fiction is a great movie. It, it just, it took me like three or four viewings to be able to get past like some of the stuff that really bothered me. But yeah. Django and chain is a fantastic movie Inglorious bastards. Fantastic movie. I, I think he has for me, just for my personal taste, he has, he has turned a corner in the last uh, five or six years that maybe Matthew Vaughn can do that for me. And, and I totally get that, that this, the stuff that I don't like is partly what makes other people like what he's doing. So, you know, whatever, more power to him. Uh, 
but for me personally, I can see that there's a future in there because I'm with you. I really like First Class a lot, and I would love to see him direct Spider-Man. I just – I think I – I think I always want somebody above him who will cut out the stuff that I don't like, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I feel like uh, Matthew Vaughn is more of just action comedy – and Tarantino does dramas that have violence. Does that make yeah, sense? Totally. Uh, sort of like Edgar Wright. I feel like Edgar Wright is um, just the comedy version of Matthew Vaughn, and Tarantino's the drama violence version of Matthew Vaughn. And Matthew Vaughn's sure. sort of that in between between Edgar Wright and Tarantino. So that's where that I makes, sort of place him yeah, in fair. my head. Totally fair. Um, so those are our grades. Uh, Kingsman, go out and see it if you're still with us. Uh, yeah. you, you might enjoy it, you might not, but I want to hear from you guys. Feel totally. free to message Please the show. Sure. Uh, let us know what you think about it. No recommends this week, guys. Yeah. Um, my recommend will be revisit some of the Oscar movies this week. If you hadn't had a chance because the Oscars are on Sunday and we will be doing our, uh, Oscar episode after the Oscars we'll meet. And, uh, that'll be available for you guys, uh, just a few hours after the Oscars actually. So if you, uh, want to watch the Oscars and you know, go, go bowling or something, come back, maybe our podcast will be up and you'll be able to check that out. (laughs) So. And, and get on the Twitter too, because Richard and I, especially, maybe Kent will, yeah. will do some as well this year. So Richard and I always live tweet the the Oscars, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun with that. So follow us on Twitter. I'm at bgill12. Richard's at Richard Barton, and yes. uh, Kent uh, at, at uh, Kent Garrison. Yeah, and uh, thank you everybody who has submitted their opinions on Jupiter Ascending. Uh, yes. I think last week was our the most fan participation we've had. A lot of <laughs> yes. a lot of opinions on that movie, yeah. pro and con. Have kept our interns working hard. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But uh, thanks, to, thanks to the listeners for listening. Yeah. Um, oh, hey, uh, Richard just texted and said he his weekly recommend for the week is uh, Nickelback Silver Side Up. So <laughs> check that. Well, out. I gotta get uh, I gotta get on Spotify <laughs> right now. Then, uh, but we're gonna get off here. We're gonna watch SNL forty. So I hope everyone enjoyed that. Yes. Um, and. Boom. Um, Expect our thoughts on that at a at a later date. But uh, for Brian Gill, I'm Kent Garrison, and we'll see you next time at the cinema. Bye. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salad is scrambled eggs. They're calling again.